Hey, Sam. Hey, Luke. What's, uh, what's wrong, buddy? I just watched the hit 2004 film Troy starring Brad Pitt and Eric Bana, but I don't know if it's accurate at all. Hey, we've all been there, friend. This has you pretty messed up, huh? Well, I have good news for you. Ah! Jesus! I'm a doctor. Of medicine? Even better, classics. And I have all the answers for your burning questions about myths, ancient Greco-Roman history, and the movies. Where can we get this incredible medicine? Over on the podcast, Greased Lightning. It's on all your favorite podcatchers. It will be the sweet ambrosia of the gods. New episodes every other Monday. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's me, your old pal. Don't, don't worry now, don't be afraid. It's good to be here, though it is also very weird to be here. I have been more like America's dad than ever before. Welcome to Hanksy Panksy, a podcast where two dumb idiot best friends fill themselves mind, body, and soul with the celluloid visage of Tom Hanks. I'm Sam Siegel, and I'm one of those dumb idiots. <laughs> I'm the other dumb idiot. I'm Luke Patrick. So this week we uh, we watched uh, 1985's The Man with One Red Shoe, yeah, uh, directed by Stan Dragoti, I think. <laughs> I'm, uh, and, I'm impressed Luke, you've done this amount of research. Oh, oh, Luke, I am I am all in on this one. Uh, an hour and twenty eight minutes of just uh, well, how, how about you? How about you break down that plot? <laughs> so, I will be honest, I'm struggling to remember basically any detail from this movie, but I will do my damnedest. We'll give it a good college try here. So essentially the movie is Tom Hanks is a musician. He's randomly selected by the CIA to be targeted, sort of as a ploy to get a in-hot-water CIA director out of said hot water, and hijinks ensue. That is literally the plot of this movie. Uh the details do not fill themselves in. Almost like not at all. There is a love interest and and that's it. Yeah, kind of a love interest. Man, this yeah. movie really struggles to sort of stay focused on any one thing other than Tom Hanks as a Which, target. Uh, I I might quibble with. Mm. Uh because I would almost argue that Tom is almost like uh, secondary to the plot of this movie. Yeah, do you want to take a guess how long it takes before we first see Tom Hanks? Because I did track it exactly. Ooh, uh, I would guess somewhere on the order of 20 minutes. You're a little high, but not much. You know, essentially the, the gesture is there. It's 13 minutes and 50 seconds <laughs> before we see the protagonist of this film. Oh, and, and hey, did you remember the names of literally any character other than Tom Hanks? No, I don't even remember his name. Do you know what his name is? It's, uh, uh Luke, of course I do. It's Richard Harlan Drew. Mm. Oh, I do remember Morris as well, which is Jim Belushi's character, his best friend. Because in the original French, yes. he was Maurice, so they just changed it sort of to make it more palatable. Ah, okay. And then Carrie Fisher, I believe, uh, pays it, uh, plays his wife? Uh, yes. Paula? Yeah. Yes. They are essentially the entire cast. So to to get that out of the way, there's Tom Hanks, and then there's Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher, who are delightful, and they are a married couple. And then literally everybody else in this movie pretty much doesn't matter. That's that's the cast. Um. So so how was your watch this week? So it was it was good. I will say I came into this 
in a chiller mindset than I did last week. Had a pretty stressful week last week, and Bachelor Party did nothing to uh, sort of stop punching me in the dick. So Yeah, not at all. I'm feeling good. I'm going to try to approach this one with positivity. I've got my the right assortment of crystals happening. I'm going to try to bring a good aura, some good positive energy to this, and uh, just really celebrate the the utterly forgettable movie that is uh, a fan with with one bread shoe. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell me about some of the some of the crystals that you watched the movie with? Yeah, yeah. So it was just me and sort of my uh, my amethyst. I think that's one, <laughs> and uh, I think yes. a chunk of granite. <laughs> I think I had a granite. I may be confused on what a what yeah, a crystal I- is. I think we are stretching the definition of what a what a crystal is because I believe an amethyst is a gemstone. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't know if that qualifies as a as a crystal. And then granite is just a type <laughs> of rock. Hey, nobody said igneous can't bring a really nice, refreshing aura to your to your watch of a Tom Hanks film. You know, yeah, you're fucking right. Yeah. Fuck crystals. They don't get to hog all the all the glory on this one. Yeah. Get rocks back in here. Plus, there's a premium on them versus granite <laughs> that I pulled out of the prairie dog lot next to our house. So <laughs> There you well, go. How was your watch? I, I got to tell you, I think best watch yet. Mm. Uh, I I woke up at, uh, at a crisp 6.30 this morning. <laughs> yeah, you did send me a text that I woke up to saying you had seen this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I woke up at 6.30. I had my uh, normal beloved weekend breakfast of a dry mix of uh, chocolate checks and peanut butter checks cereals. Mm. Um, and, and I enjoyed this movie. Nice. Uh, just, just from the moment I woke up, finished it before uh, my wife even woke up, and then I made some pancakes. Mm. That's a uh, great morning. Oh, it's spectacular. What what a way to start a Saturday. Yeah, with with uh, a man who ate beetroot, a film starring Tom Hanks. Yeah. So you I think we're coming uh, from different directions on how we felt about this flick. You think so? But I think so. But, okay. but before I jump into it, I do have a question. Yeah. Before you started watching this movie. Yeah. Did you miss Tom? I think I did. I think I did miss Tom, although he did leave sort of a sour taste in my mouth last week after Bachelor Party, which I think it's important, again, that we highlight. Sometimes you need a job, and sometimes that job is Bachelor Party. You know, war crimes sort of to the side. Yeah, I, I was ready for some some more Tom. I was definitely ready yeah. to dig back in. How about you? I, mm, I, a little bit yes, and a little bit no. Because mm. I still hate tom's young face (laughs) i i don't like it yeah even a little because he's got i don't know if you've noticed this and and i don't i don't want to shame him for how he looks but he's got this sort of pouty look that he puts on instead of really acting Mm. um in a lot of these and i just i don't like it yeah yeah he's definitely it's a different vibe i still feel like we have yet to hit any real range or a genuine expression. That's sort of Tom Hanksy stuff that we we expect from him. It's it's a different look for sure. Yeah, he just has this sort of like uh like open mouth kind of uh just sort of blank look yeah. that, that he'll get at any moment that the sort of floppy lip almost <laughs> of yeah. like blah, blah, what? Yeah, yeah. That's that's sort of his general kind of go to. Yeah. 
I miss old Tom. Yeah, you want that Greyhound bus modern Tom is what you're looking yes. for. Yes, I want I want jowly old Tom. That's that's what I need. Yeah, a Tom you can sink your teeth into. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well well what was your general take on a man who sniffs old glue? Uh <laughs> Luke, I unironically enjoyed this movie. Mm, really? You you were yeah, into this? F- <laughs> yeah, <I> fucking was. <laughs> I'm not proud of it even a little bit, but I I did just enjoy it. I don't mm. know. I'm going to speed dial the hospital, but I do want to hear more about how you felt about this movie. Yeah, it's fine. Hopefully uh, I can we can finish the podcast before they carry me away. Mm-hmm. But um, it's it's just kind of good, stupid fun. Mm. Uh, the, the jokes for me land. I thought the sort of like kind of secondary like bit players in the movie were like really good Mm, okay um because because they're these like you know kind of two uh divided teams of spies yeah um kind of vying for control of the cia i guess that it's not uh laid out well at all no couldn't tell you what they were trying to do because there's the the guy who played pappy o'daniel in oh brother where art thou Mm, yes in one camp yeah, I He's forgot about that. He's the leader of one camp. And then the leader of the other camp seems to be just Burt Reynolds' stunt double, I guess. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, I did I did get from uh, the Microsoft Store's description that those are Charles Dunning and Dabney Coleman. Could I mm. tell you which one was which? I could not. I would, I would put a fiver on the fact that Dabney Coleman is the guy who's on his way to go shoot Gator. Uh, but made a pit stop here to play a CIA agent. Yeah, you know, I'd probably put my money on that too. Yeah, we um, might we might lose ten bucks here, but that's my that's yeah. my gut. But yeah, so so like their respective teams of spies, I just really enjoyed. Mm. So, uh, Papio Daniel had um these two guys. I th- I think their names were like Reese and Bearden. Reese and Bearden. I found it out at the very end of the movie. Mm. Um, are these the two lackeys that are like eating sandwiches? Yes. Okay, yeah. They were pretty good. I'll give you that. Bearden was great, especially at the opening, because there's uh, Pappy O'Daniel's like second in command, who is just every white wasp, uh, just waspy guy that you've ever seen. Sure. And and he's just trying to find the patsy that, that they're going to pick to be their fake contact. Yeah. And he's just looking at people coming down the, the escalator, <laughs> not saying a word. And Bearden, this like kind of short, balding guy, yeah, is just going, is it the nun? <laughs> is it the nun? The nun with the, the, the shades? Uh, is it the, is it, and I'm almost quoting here, is it the black guy with the green jacket? Is it that guy? <laughs> he looks like a knock. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? And it's every single person coming down this uh, escalator until it's Tom Hanks and he says nothing. Yeah. The one person he's decided not to say anything about. And then he goes, that guy. <laughs> In this. And you liked this? You were you were chill with this? Yeah, I fucking loved it. <laughs> this hit you where you live, huh? <laughs> I don't know what it was, but just this like, like running commentary of this fucking <laughs> idiot with this stupid accent. Yeah, uh, just guessing for us. You know, yeah. he's standing in for the audience, saying, "Who who is he going to pick?" Even though we do know exactly who they're going to pick. Yeah, 
In this scene, um, too, Tom Hanks comes down the escalator and he has exactly one dress shoe and one red sort of Nike looking looking shoe. And I was going to ask you, Sam, because I don't quite I don't quite know. How do you figure he landed in that state? Hmm. How did he get the one red shoe? Yeah. Okay. So he's, you know, they're at the airport and, and he's just gotten off a flight from Chicago. Yeah. And I imagine that on that flight, which isn't terribly long, but, you know, long enough that you do want to get cozy. Oh, okay. Yeah. He and and his uh, his seat neighbor both took their shoes off. Mm. They fell asleep. Maybe, maybe on uh, you know, one of them kind of leaned on the other's shoulder. I don't know. Yeah, you think that they've negotiated a sort of comfort pact here where shoes are coming off, any amount of head nodding onto yeah. another person is acceptable for the duration of the flight. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, and uh, and, and they fell into a good deep sleep. Mm. And then they woke up after the plane had landed, after it had taxied to the to the gate, and as people were coming off, they had to grab their shit in a hurry. Right. And um, because they both twitch while they sleep, their shoes kind of got jumbled around. And so they just slapped on the shoes closest to their feet. And that happened to be uh, Tom Hanks's uh, original dress shoe mm. and his neighbor's red shoe. Gotcha. Okay. I think that's the theory. I think it's a good one. It is not explained in the movie, which is why I was curious not to e- sort of get your scientific take. Not even a little. Yeah. I also, I loved Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher mm, um, yeah. for the brief moments that they were in the film. They yeah. were spectacular. It was truly, truly a treat to get to see Carrie Fisher acting oh. in anything. She's always phenomenal. And it was it was great to see the late, great Carrie Fisher. And Jim Belushi as well for, for a guy kind of best known for a show, according to Jim, that's a, <laughs> a little subpar <laughs> to be salacious and throw that out there. I think he did a great job. <laughs> yeah. He just—it was so good, and um, and like some of the some of the sets, I really adored. Mm. Um, like the fact that uh, Burt Reynolds stunt doubles uh, like hideout, yeah, um, or like his little like recording center or whatever the fucking command center, I guess. Sure, we can call it that. Seemed to be in the Death Star. Mm. Did you notice that? Yeah, this is a few years after that first movie too. Maybe they just recycled some props, saved some money on that budget. You could have told me, and I would fully believe it, because it looked like it. It's pretty similar. I will give you that. If Darth Vader wandered in and said, get Tom Hanks. That's not a good Darth Vader. Here, let me me take another two. (laughs) Get Tom Hanks. It would fit pretty well. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And then then there was the set where the, the, like, female spy, who almost exclusively wore, like, cyclops style sunglasses (laughs) she did maybe it is for the exact reason that cyclops does maybe if she unleashes her full her full gaze (laughs) they'd all be leveled but she's kind of the love interest and i think her name is maddie Mm. and she takes tom to her apartment to fuck him for information we should clarify this is this is espionage at work because she's part of the team that believes that tom hanks is a spy right uh and that he's hiding information and so she brings him there and she's wearing this absurd dress that is cut in the back <laughs> all the way down to literally the top of her ass crack. So my, my notes say in all caps, ass crack dress. And I did want to talk about this. So let's just dive in. How did that dress hit you, sir? Uh, <laughs> not well. <laughs> 
it's so fucking stupid and seems like it would be really uncomfortable to wear to be perfectly honest with you yeah i will say that's that's my least favorite part of a dutch oven for me to you is uh (laughs) the sort of coin slot dress maybe it's working for somebody if she's feeling great in it that's cool but it's just you know a plumber's crack is not typically a lingerie target yeah, it does not. It did not put me at full mast. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, it did. It does, Tom. Though it appears to be very much up his alley. Oh, li- yeah, it does. Though uh, the other part that was puzzling to me is it is about in the front. It's about as high cut in the mm. front as it is low cut in the back. Yeah, it's kind of a a, a mullet. It's the mullet of dresses if you think about it, because it's it very exactly cut and dry the in the front. Of dresses. Yeah, party in the back. Yeah. Um, but, but I loved that set because her house being the eighties is full of mirrors. Mm, It turns out those are, those are two way mirrors and the entirety of the spy team that she is on is behind them. Right. Anxiously awaiting her and Tom's trip to pound town. Yeah. And I've said this before outside of the podcast, but two things that immediately depreciate in value the minute you purchase them is a car and a ceiling mirror. So she's yep. made some bold choices with this this hideaway house. She has. And, and the, the folks move around back there because there is a hallway yeah. leading to the bedroom's set of mirrors. They don't creep through there. They stomp around. <laughs> and it, it shows up in the audio. It's, it's noisy. Yeah. She's made some great choices in the soundproofing department, it would seem. Yeah. So And, and Tom is, is none the wiser. So yeah, so so what did you not like about it? Well, as stated, I've got my sort of uh, you know my chakra zone is in is in good shape, so I'm gonna not dwell on the things I didn't like about this movie, other than to say that I found a a span of one or two to be pretty slow and or tedious at times and pretty forgettable. I did wake up this morning and genuinely struggle to remember much of the plot outside of the the gloriously shining performance from Carrie Fisher. Totally mm-hmm. memorable, everything she was in. Outside of that, it was it was a bit of a slog. Hey, do you mind if I read you a quote from Tom Hanks really quick about this movie? Please do. Yeah, so from the source himself, Tom Hanks described this film as not a very good movie. It doesn't have any real clear focus to it. It isn't about anything in particular that you can honestly understand. It made no money at all. Oh, yeah, I, I would not disagree with that even a little. So at the at the risk of potentially harming the the positive energy I'm bringing, that's all I'm going to say about it. I think he's he summed it up quite well, and he was there making it. He was he was in the sauce, seeing the sausage get made. I think that does it. Yeah, I mean, like I I think you're right. It, I don't remember a lot of details uh, from it, and I enjoyed it and watched it this morning. Yeah, it has almost <laughs> no plot. Uh, what plot is there is so thin. Yeah, that a cat could punch through it. Sure. Because there's this bit with a Senate committee, yeah, uh, and they're upset mm-hmm. about some cocaine or something. It, <laughs> it makes literally zero sense. Yeah, that is my favorite scene in this movie. If you'd like to hear about that, yes, which is literally in the first three minutes. This is so far before we even see a whiff of Tom Hanks. We haven't even smelt him coming around the corner at this point. No. We're, we're in Morocco. There is a car, some kind of spy trade-off going on, and a, a character, I believe it's also Maddie, says yes. uh, to another operative, you know, stuff's in the car, cocaine's in the tires. And you think, holy shit, what? And then about I didn't hear that line at all. 
<laughs> and then about 30 seconds later, said car is hoisted on a crane and tried to use to kill this other uh, operative. <laughs> it drops, sending a just blizzard of coke everywhere. And then the native, uh, the workers there in Morocco then start to say, cocaina, and they, they sort of, uh, I may be mispronouncing that, but they run into the, the blizzard and really just kind of have what I'm assuming is a fantastic t- 10 a.m. morning shift. Yeah. Hey, did you also feel like that that port in Morocco did look exactly like a port in, say, I don't know, New York, um, (laughs) but with camels? Yeah, it almost kind of looked like L.A. to me, actually, with the mountains happening in the background. I do sort of wonder if it was. So you're positing that maybe this is not a documentary and that this was filmed on location somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they they took the whole operation to Morocco for this three-minute scene that makes almost no sense. Yeah, it's pretty nonsensical, and I would would hate to think that they wasted some of their 16 million budget sort of moving the whole circus over to Morocco for three minutes, yeah. So, so did you have did you have like a like a bright point in this movie? Your your just favorite part? Yeah, I I genuinely think that the Tarzan roleplay subplot in this movie is fantastic, <laughs> which is that Carrie Fisher and apparently her husband and also Tom, who she's cheating on her husband with, all sort of share this predilection for Tarzan roleplay. Yes. Including, you know, making the Tarzan noise. Uh, mm-hmm. And she pretends to be a chimp. She's got sort of a leopard print lingerie bikini thing. Mm-hmm. That was genuinely, it was it was heartwarming in some ways. It was fun for the whole family. It was well written. Yeah. I, I, I think that was my favorite part by far is anytime we got to see Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher on screen interacting in this this sort of dysfunctional thruple. Well, and at the end of the movie, you do get to see Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher, God rest her, yeah. um, as they are about to fuck in a tree. <laughs> we do hear, yeah, these sort of uh, the primal scream Tarzan style uh, emitted from Jim Belushi as he uh, requests her presence in the tree. And they, they resolve their conflict. Tom has, has Maddie in his life now. She's going to focus on Jim. It's really heartwarming stuff. It's uh, honestly, yeah. you know, we could we could roll this into a later version of Tarzan. And I think it would work perfectly just sort of 30 years down the road. They're in a flat in London. Hey, sweetie, can you bust out the, uh, you know, for old time's sake? It's uh, it's Disney stuff. Oh, I love it. And and I think that is the best way to get a sequel for this film. Yeah. Hey, what you what was your highlight of this? I, I honestly think it was the 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 opposing teams as spies. Mm. I they were all god awful because this movie seems to run off of the idea that if you're a spy, you wear aviators. Mm. Yeah, that's it. the The whole movie is just people in different costumes wearing aviators. <laughs> oh, they're like bellboys at a hotel, aviators. Yeah, they're um, EMTs, aviators. Uh, he's a dentist, aviators. This is true. Uh, yeah. Every single time, always wearing aviators. Oh, they're uh, like working for the the fucking uh, telephone company. Aviators. Yeah. Like I don't know their names even a little bit, but <laughs> on on Maddie's team, there's Burt Reynolds' stunt double yeah. who's in charge yeah. and is a horrific sexist. I don't know if you picked up on this, but he calls Maddie "honey" like a hundred times. Yeah. And then he also tells her "good girl." Yeah. Uh, I told him to go fuck himself at, uh, I think it was about 6.45 this morning. 
But then there was the other guy on the team who just wants to kill Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's he's pretty set on that. Yeah, he's got a one-track mind, and he has decided Tom Hanks needs to die. There's the old couple. Yeah, also with the aviators, the two of them. Yes, the uh, the old woman during a during a car chase late. Well, a car and bicycle chase. Uh, the woman does yell to the old old man, uh, "Waste him." <laughs> and it's in that wonderful old woman kind of voice, and uh, it got me. Yeah, it sounds like you had a lot of good, a lot of good belly laughs at this one. Yeah, and then there's Reese, who hates, uh, he, he's on the opposite team with Bearden, the guy who just narrates shit. Yeah. Um, and Reese doesn't really talk. He clearly hates Bearden. He had all his teeth removed and felt virtually no pain. Mm. He did just ask for some aspirin, and then that, that was kind of it. He never, he also seemed to grow his teeth back. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but it showed him like eating solid food later. I must have, I must have had a misalignment in sort of my, my aura zone. Cause I genuinely don't remember him getting his teeth yanked out, but I will take your word for it. Yeah. I do want to just grab a quick detail that I did kind of want to dig into just a hair. Okay. And it is when they were running through Richard's like life. I guess, where it shows him in multiple photos as a child crying. Mm, yeah. Um, and then at 16, he was sent to a sanitarium for severe bronchitis. Yeah. Uh, and he was there for a year. And while he was there, he, and I'm quoting, because I did have to rewind <laughs> the movie, lost his virginity to a student nurse. I knew where you were going. It's a lot of specific detail. Yes. For something. Yeah. I, they do make a point that it's a student nurse, and I don't know if that's denigrating. I I don't know. Yeah. I, to be perfectly honest, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, I don't know Which, if it is a student who is acting as a nurse or a nurse to the students. I believe it's just a nurse in training. I was worried for a moment that you didn't understand sort of the rest of that context. Oh, we no. We're going to have to I, have that I, talk. I got the rest of it. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, just a just a shitty detail that <laughs> yeah. I didn't necessarily want. You know, it's it was dealt with about as much detail as anything else in uh, a hang glide in Timbuktu, where we just sort of t- chucked it out there and then uh, didn't give it enough time to simmer before we whipped it into the bin and just sort of said, "Well, that's that's done." Oh yeah, and uh, and Luke, I'm gonna need you to step into a Faraday cage and take off your pants. It's time to come with me to. The conspiracy corner. <laughs> do I need to take, sorry, do I need to take precautions of any kind? Uh, well, if you're in the Faraday cage. I am. Uh, well, I, I think that's that's all of it. Okay. Um, though you could cover your whole body in uh, in tin foil. I've already covered it in whale blubber, so I think, I think I'm okay. Oh, that'll do it. That yeah. gets the satellites off. Yeah. So, Luke, um, this week I, I've got... There's not a lot from this movie, Mm. but what it does give us is critical to what we understand about Tom Hanks, Alan Bauer, and Rick Gasco, Mm. who, as we know, are all the same man. Yeah, can you give me a quick, sorry, can you give me a quick breakdown of uh, who those people are? Also, it's very hot in this cage. I am starting to sweat. Oh, Luke, we we don't have to be quiet because I'm proud about this. All right. Mm, I okay. want, I'm I'm ready for people to hear. Okay. Well, I will say it's hot. It's I I would like some air conditioning, but I also want you to break down who these who these people are really quick. Okay. So Tom Hanks, as we all know, America's dad. Yeah. 
Alan Bauer is from Splash. Uh, mm. He was the uh, scaly who cannot feel emotion. Sure. And and let's see, <laughs> he he may be a serial killer. In fact, I'm fairly certain he is because he does in that movie say that depictions of death are funny. Yeah. Um, Rick Gasco is from Bachelor Party. Sure. And is is a younger Alan Bauer as he was sort of getting his feet wet in murder, but also uh, learning to kind of fake emotion better. And again, still cannot fuck human women because he's a scaly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I feel caught up. So so what new information okay. do you have in your tome today? So Richard Harlan Drew. We do find that uh, when the CIA is doing sort of a full breakdown on his life, when they find out that he had sex with a student nurse at 16 or 17 mm. at a sanitarium, they do have an expert who says, who, who I guess has analyzed Richard's face, Richard Tom's face, and says that it shows severe anger and sexual repression. <laughs> this is an FBI analyst, yeah, that's analyzing his, his face and handwriting, I believe. Better even, I believe it's CIA. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I did swap agencies. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I frankly couldn't have told you uh, <laughs> until you, you broke down the plot and reminded me that it was the CIA. Sure, sure. And then again, uh, he, you know, Carrie Fisher comes to, to Richard, Alan, Rick, Tom, and, uh, and wants to have sex with him, and, and he won't do it. Yeah. He won't do it, and it's because, again, this is a human woman. Mm. Uh, so he can't fuck human women. Yeah. But I think, I think one of the most interesting things comes at the end of the movie when uh, he and Maddie are on a train and Maddie finally levels with him and says, Richard, are you a spy? Mm, yeah, big moment. Big energy. And, and through this whole time, Richard has sort of unwittingly evaded all their schemes. He's not given up any information. Yeah. He's uh, gotten away from their, you know, them tailing him. He's gone through car chases while he's on a bicycle. All of it. Sure. And, uh, and he says, and I quote, I'm no more a spy than you are. Okay. Luke, I'm here to tell you yeah. that that is Richard Harlan Drew admitting that he is an espionage agent. <laughs> he knows that Maddie's a spy. No, no fucking limp dick moron mm. could have gone through all these schemes and not known yeah. what was up. He is a trained agent. So you think that sort of the the comedic plot of this movie that he is completely unaware of the situation is is actually incorrect and that he's been in the know the entire time and is in fact quite quite the spy v spy expert. Yes. Mm. He he clocked her from the start. He mm. saw those cyclops uh sunglasses and he went that's a fucking spy. <laughs> he did notice the universal tell which is aviators or cyclops glasses. Yes. And so this this is the true story of Richard Harlan Dale, Rick mm. Gasco, Alan Bauer, and Tom Hanks. They are the same man, and they are a spy for none other than Israel's Mossad. <laughs> I, I may die in this Faraday cage, but I also may die if I leave it now from sort of uh, now that you've revealed the secrets behind the, the Mossad's plans to use Tom Hanks as a spy. Yes. I'm now quite nervous. And uh, they even say, you know, the, the CIA, they're like, he doesn't come up with, with any intelligence agency, KGB, yeah. and they name a few others. But do you know 
who they didn't check and who they didn't name, and it was the Mossad. Yeah, they couldn't be couldn't be arsed to call up Israel, I guess, and just <laughs> do a quick note check. Exactly, and and uh, so so Richard is a is a violinist. I believe he's the first chair, whatever the fuck you call it, in a yeah. symphony. Um, he's the the lead violinist, and when he plays. He looks soulless, mm. and that's because he has no emotion because he's been trained not to have emotion. Yeah. And this explains Rick's lack of emotion, Alan's lack of emotion. And what better way to spy on a foreign country than to implant an actor in the early 80s that everyone falls in love with, mm. and he weasels his way into their society, becoming beloved by all, he has access to everyone. Mm. I'm sure he's been around presidents. Yeah. Luke Patrick, Tom Hanks is a spy. <laughs> I like it. I also like that uh, apparently, you know, maybe somebody should call Itzhak Perlman and see if, uh, you know, he was also approached maybe around the, the same time. It's entirely possible. They're just trolling sort of uh, high schools in Israel to, to look for potential recruits and, from the violinist crowd. And it even explains the lack of sex. Mm. Because, see, in this and in a previous assignment, bachelor party, mm. he really doesn't want to fuck people, okay? Yeah. He's a professional spy. He does not want to fuck if he doesn't have to. However, in his assignment after bachelor party, but before Red Shoe, he was in Operation Splash. Mm. Uh, yes, Luke, all the movie titles are Operation No, no, I'm, I'm following. Um, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And uh, and this was the Mossad's attempt to learn about mermaids uh, because they knew uh, just like Eugene Levy did in that film. Mm. And uh, and to get in with mermaid society, he did have to have sex with Daryl Hannah. OK, yeah. And he, he did. He did go for it with enthusiasm. He did. He's quite a good spy, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. He's really committed to the, the operation. You know, he may still be a scaly. We don't mm. know because that man knows how to hold a secret. It's true. It's true. He's not. He's not on Live Journal. He's not out here telling us, telling us what he feels about that side of things. Exactly. Yeah. So that is is what's been going on this whole time in the background. Mm. I get you. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's a new development. I think you've done your research, and uh, I am now very afraid of the Mossad coming after me in my house in in Colorado. But I do appreciate what you've done, and I think you're really bringing bringing all this to light finally. Several decades later. The people later. deserve to know. Yeah. Uh, can I exit the Faraday cage now? Because it yeah, is. Yeah, you can step on okay, out. Okay, good. I, I will need to degrease myself, but I think I can do that afterwards. Yeah, and, and you know, you can put your pants back on or you don't. Uh, okay. I'll never know. Yeah, I won't. Thank you, though. Well, I appreciate, as always, your insights and wisdom. Uh, I am glad I called the hospital ahead of time. I think they will be there soon to sort of take care of you. But before they do, I would like to take a second to maybe do some punch-up on A Chef with One Red Roux. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, you know, we had $16 million to play with this movie. It lost about half of that. It was not a critical success. Definitely think we want to just take this thing back to the woodshed and give it give it some good, good loving. So with that premise, Sam, you have $16 million. You and I are going to rewrite this movie. Yeah, I have some suggestions, if you don't mind me sort of breaking yeah, off a please. few of these. So I, I, before you revealed the conspiracy of uh, what's actually happening with, with Mr. Hanks, I did think mm-hmm. here is a man who is clearly sexually frustrated because he refuses sex several times, seemingly on the grounds of uh, 
expectation that he will not be able to complete. So I'm thinking we just ditch the musician angle. I think that's no good. We got to get rid of that. It's not necessary. Yeah, it's not adding much. Although, as you pointed out, uh, you know, it maybe was his ticket into the Mossad. So not very realistic, but no one's paying us for realism. Sure. So I think instead... We replace every musician in this movie. That means Carrie Fisher and Jim Belushi, who is a, uh, they are a flautist and a timpanist. Yes, respectively. I think we replace all these professions. The spy V spy thing can be the same, but I think they're all bike messengers. Ooh, okay. So, uh, so like kind of a prequel to Premium Rush. Well, I'm glad you said that because I was also <laughs> thinking, you know, we, we change locations. Let's move somewhere that uh, speaks more to the heartland of America. I'm thinking Portland. Mm, okay. Maybe in New York City, you know, who wants to shoot in D.C.? And then I think by that point, we'll have quite a lot left over in our budget. We go get the now four-year-old JGL and we figure out how to just accelerate his growth. I'm Ooh, thinking that's okay. that's maybe five mil. And then, uh, we yeah, we just recast him instead of Tom Hanks. Okay. Okay, yeah. so you're just making Premium Rush <laughs> with a, with a uh, sort of child Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's been, I guess, Gattaca'd into an, an adult body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jim Belushi and Carrie Fisher, God rest her soul. Yeah, it should be pretty cheap to do the JGL part. I've talked to some scientists about it. And then I think, you know, we take the same sort of sexual frustration and we just transfer it into bike stunts. So he is unable to climax until he's done a truly rad bike stunt. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, because what we're seeing in the movie is is pretty passe. I think this is this is old hat and we really need to to bump that up so there's another five million i think in special effects and uh we'll make jgl do all of his own stunts since he's got that captain america bod at that point yeah yeah okay uh can i can i add a little uh a little sort of freshly ground black pepper to this oh yeah man we got money to spare at this point yeah uh they'll probably be children too but get the jackass guys in there (laughs) you thinking johnny knoxville yeah, get get little Johnny Knoxville in there to do some sweet tricycle stunts or something. Yeah, let me just uh, let me phone up his agent uh, in 1985 really quick. Yeah, actually, yeah. that one's that one's uh, on the cheaper side at that point. It's not as much of an age gap. In fact, I think we can catch him as a teenager. I think that's great. Okay, uh, perfect. He'd probably be a lot cheaper too. Yeah, I think the, the the tank on that one, if we do want to put a minute, you know, we're looking at like maybe a sensory deprivation length of time, maybe an hour. He'll be he'll be right okay. as rain. I love it. Yeah, I'm. That's a movie that I'm down to watch. So it is the is the spies versus spy stuff even still in it? Yeah, I think maybe we have sort of a strange plot that involves Chinatown and <laughs> a weird package. Um, okay. Yeah, but at this clip, we'll definitely cut Premium Rush out you know 30 years before it happens i'm thinking that's that's pretty good yeah i mean that's a fucking good way to undercut that flick that definitely was a critical success and made a ton of money yeah we're, we're just trying to get that premium rush cash a couple decades before <laughs> <laughs> you know premium rush because it it changed the landscape of film forever yeah and then we get a couple of decades out of jgl before he really started you know maybe he can play the leonardo dicaprio part of uh, of inception and we'll we'll just cast his part with somebody else oh yeah okay yeah yes i think it works out for it it's definitely a uh, for the greater good to sort of fix it this way that's what i'm thinking so do you still get the plumber crack dress 
Oh, yeah. But I think we put JGL in it, preferably during a rad bike stunt. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. That is what I want. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. Again, we're really aiming for Heartland of America. I want this playing in really all of the sort of Main Street locations. Oh, fuck yeah. I'm into it. I'll green light it, in yeah. fact. Because we all know that I'm a, a high-powered <laughs> Hollywood executive. Uh, I'll green light it. Uh, let me let me get the time machine. Yeah. So I can uh, spin you back to 1985 and yeah. and just fix this clusterfuck. Yeah, that'd be great. I think I think we you know with these edits we'll probably need to pull in somebody for punch up, but I think we're good to go at this point. Yeah. Fuck yeah. And you know, look, they've made it clear that they're they're not scared of any sort of ADR punch up. Yeah. So Tom Hanks is no stranger to it, but it doesn't matter anyway because we've recast him as the <laughs> mutated JGL. Maybe maybe keep Tom around for the ADR punch-up. Mm. He has no character on screen, <laughs> but... He is a working man, and he's got to buy diapers at this stage in his life. That's yeah. that's fair. We want to make sure that he... Yeah, we got to get him on the path to, to America's dad status. Yes, there you go. Because you don't want to sort of butterfly effect him just out the window. Yeah, we need Polar Express. That, that is critical <laughs> for the national security pretty much the world over. It did change human history forever. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you approve. Uh, you know, the, the money's all there. I think we're in budget. I think we're good to go. Oh, easily, yeah. Uh, so next week, unless you've got any final thoughts. I don't. I have a suspicion that this movie will evaporate from my head, which is why I'm eager to, to remake it as Premium Rush. Uh, so I got nothing. All right. Well, well next week... Uh, we'll be watching 1985's Volunteers, mm. and uh, just sort of curious what you expect uh, for that movie. Well, I will say my track record so far, I am I am sort of at uh, 50%, given that I expected this was a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy type epic. You were not wrong. Yeah, I missed the mark on casting Michael Caine and Serene McCallan, so I will I will you know use that info. Volunteers. I'm gonna assume. This is the first stab at Saving Private Ryan. So Tom Hanks has volunteered for World War II. We're going to take this back to a period piece, maybe a different invasion uh, or possibly North Africa. I'm going to go with that. And Peter O'Toole is there. This all We're just going to hassle Rommel all the way across North Africa. Fuck, I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, I think I am. Uh, well, I'm guessing that it is because um, I did look at the movie poster. Mm. That is against our bylaws, but I will allow it this it time. It is. I'm I'm so sorry for breaking the rules. Yeah, it's okay. But it was worth it because it is drawn and the image of Tom Hanks looks nothing like Tom Hanks. But having said that, mm. I believe Volunteers is going to be basically We Bought a Zoo meets <laughs> King Kong. <laughs> And this is all purely driven off of the pilfered information from the poster? Yeah, actually. Okay. You should peep that poster because it's got some wild shit in it. I, I won't because I don't know how to find myself, but you will be getting your invoice. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. I hope one of us is right. Uh, would you like uh, my, my favorite quote from this movie? Yes, please. Yeah. So it was screamed in said bunker by Maddie, and it is, but that's in control of our entire missile defense system. <laughs> yes. Oh, fuck. I loved that. <laughs> that was it. Well, th well thank you for listening to uh, Hanksy Panksy, uh, and we will be back next week uh, hurting ourselves uh, with Tom Hanks's uh, next film. Mm. Sounds delightful. <laughs>